What's up, everybody? It's your favorite gadget geek and tech nerd, Sean, here with Gadget Reason Radio, and I'm back with some more tech news for you guys here on this Wednesday afternoon. We have a pretty decent amount of tech news to cover today. The Samsung Galaxy Note 8 was officially announced. There's a ton of backlash on Verizon's new data plan, as well as Nintendo's decision to do a quick midnight launch of the SNES Classic Edition console, and other news in today's tech news. So let's go ahead and jump right in with the tech download for August 23rd, 2017. What else could I possibly start today's tech headlines with other than the announcement of the long-awaited and anticipated Samsung Galaxy Note 8? The burning question on everybody's mind is, of course, how do you get past the fiery, explosive disaster of a launch that was the Galaxy Note 7? Well, Samsung has undergone an extensive overhaul of its battery inspection process, as well as a number of other safety features to hopefully eliminate any possibility of having the same repeat disaster that they had with the Note 7. But the more important question might still be, does the Galaxy Note 8 still capture the attention of consumers when there are so many other options on the market these days? All of the leaks that we've been seeing about the Galaxy Note 8 seem to have been pretty accurate. It turns out the phone does have a 6.3 inch OLED display, corners that are more squared off than the Galaxy S8, and a smaller curve radius on the side edges. It's definitely still a curved screen, but you've got a slightly more flat surface area to work with and to use the S Pen on. The Note 8 is obviously heavier than the Galaxy S8, coming in at 195 grams or 0.43 pounds versus the 173 grams or 0.38 pounds of the S8. Samsung will be producing the Note 8 in four colors, a black, a gray, gold, and a blue. Of course, the gold and blue will not be available in the United States, so that just leaves black and gray for U.S. customers. Just like every other high-end flagship smartphone of 2017, the Samsung Galaxy Note 8 has a Snapdragon 835 processor, 64 gigabytes of storage with microSD card support, and 6 gigabytes of RAM. The battery in the Note 8 is a 3300 milliamp battery, which is obviously a little bit conservative, but it does make sense considering the problems that they had with the battery in the Note 7. On the backside, the Note 8 is equipped with two 12 megapixel cameras, one wide angle lens that has an aperture of f1.7, and a second telephoto lens that has an aperture of f2.4. Unlike the similar setup that's being used in the iPhone 7 Plus, on the Note 8, both cameras are equipped with optical image stabilization. This gives it a small leg up over the iPhone 7 Plus, which does not have optical image stabilization, in its telephoto lens. It looks like one annoying carryover in the design from the Galaxy S8 is the ridiculous placement of the fingerprint sensor, which just happens to be right next to the lenses for the rear cameras. So it makes it really difficult to reach because it's so high up on the phone, but also you're very likely to swipe and smear your finger across the camera lenses quite frequently, leaving them a little bit smudgy and dirty. On the software side of things, the Note 8 ships with Android 7.11, and of course, like the S8 before it, Samsung is definitely pushing their answer to Siri and Google Assistant, with Bigsby being prominently all over the OS and the phone itself. As far as my personal thoughts on the design, I really didn't like the new aspect ratio that Samsung switched to in the S8 with its skinnier, taller screen format, and that is even more pronounced and exaggerated on the Note 8. I think that it makes for a really ugly looking device, and it's extremely awkward and is not at all like what we're used to holding when you think about magazines or a piece of paper, or even things like the iPad and the iPad Pro, which have always been formatted with that more of that golden aspect ratio in mind. 
Now, obviously, the Samsung Galaxy Note 8 will probably be extremely popular, assuming it doesn't run into any of the issues the Galaxy Note 7 ran into, but um, honestly, it's just not for me. One of the main reasons why I was a huge fan of the early Note series was because as a graphic designer and artist, I love being able to use that Wacom technology that's embedded in the S Pen to draw and sketch and, and, and map out some ideas on a device as small as a smartphone. But with the advancements that have come with the iPad Pro and the Apple Pencil technology, I now have a much more convenient and much more effective way to do sketching and drawing or painting even on the go. And the Galaxy Note 8 just doesn't really fill that uh, hole anymore. An application like Procreate has become the de facto standard for any artist or designer who wants to do any kind of real painting or art production on a mobile device. And unfortunately, it's only available on iOS. So that's my thoughts on the Galaxy S8. Let me know what you guys think. Leave me a comment or a call in and let me know if you'll be purchasing a Galaxy Note 8 once it's available or if you're gonna hold out and wait for the Apple announcement that should be sometime in September. Let me know. Outside of the Galaxy Note 8, it looks like Samsung is set to unveil another product early next week with the announcement of their latest smartwatch under the Samsung Galaxy Gear brand. Now, it's definitely no surprise or coincidence that Samsung is unveiling their next smartwatch about a week or two earlier than we expect Apple to announce the next version of the Apple Watch during the iPhone event sometime in the first week or two of September. Now, obviously, the wearable tech market hasn't exploded the way a lot of people expected it would be. A lot of people had anticipated it being the next big thing uh, or the next big evolution after smartphones. And while that might not have been the case, it definitely has been growing with wearable shipments hitting somewhere around 102.4 million units in 2016, which was a 25% increase year over year. Now, with that number comes the fact that Apple is in the lead with 14% market share with the Apple Watch versus the 5.5% market share that Samsung has with their gear lineup. Now, obviously, Apple's announcement of the Apple Watch 3 is probably going to have a major impact on wearable tech sales over the next year or two, because obviously Apple has a lot of branding and power behind their name, as well as a huge user base of people with iOS devices that could be tethered or, or connected in conjunction with the Apple Watch. The other thing to consider is the expectation that the Apple Watch 3 will have LTE capabilities, which would make it a standalone device that doesn't necessarily need to be tethered to your iPhone everywhere you go. So with all those things being taken into account, we could be getting ready to see the next big explosion in wearable tech this year, but you never really know because this wearable tech thing seems to be very fickle in terms of consumers' view on whether they're useful or if they're just more of a distraction than anything else. So I don't know what you guys think. I, I actually do love my Apple Watch. I find it super convenient but I certainly understand why a lot of people might not like them. So leave me a call or a comment and let me know if you guys like your current wearable tech or if you've completely avoided it altogether. Let me know. Following up on yesterday's news that Nintendo decided to go forward with SNES Classic Edition pre-orders overnight while most people were sleeping, today Nintendo was probably greeted with the enormous backlash and frustration from just about everybody who had any interest in purchasing a Super Nintendo Classic Edition. I really don't know what to say about Nintendo other than that they must be a little bit masochistic and they just like the abuse because they continue to do the same things and make the same mistakes over and over and over with all of their console launches and, and especially when it comes to these new classic editions that seem to be now a perennial thing with uh, news already being reported that there'll be a Nintendo 64 classic edition being released next year and I can only anticipate that we'll be going through the exact same thing around this 
the same time next year. So I've already moved on from the Super Nintendo Classic Edition and set myself up for the huge disappointment that will inevitably come when the Nintendo 64 Classic Edition launches next year. You know, I touched on this a little bit yesterday, but my biggest problem with this whole thing is, you know, listen, I get it. We're all, we're all being a little bit spoiled right here. This is definitely a first world problem. It's not a major thing to get upset about in the grand scheme of things. But with that being said, there are a lot of people out there that have supported Nintendo over the years and continue to buy their consoles, continue to buy their games, continue to support them in spite of themselves, really, right? In spite of the fact that they continuously do things to basically piss off their, their main customer base. Well, I happen to be one of those people that, you know, has fond memories of both the NES and the SNES from my early days of gaming. And it's just a little bit ridiculous that Nintendo seems to not really care about, uh, you know, the fact that those people that have supported them, you know, throughout the last few decades um, are angry at the fact that, you know, we all wanted to get our hands on this device. And it was something that a lot of people were excited about. And Nintendo just seems to botch these launches every single time they do this. So, um, yeah, a lot of people were angry. You could go on Twitter. You could go on just about any tech news site or, or really, for that matter, any news site and see a ton of stories about the enormous amount of backlash that Nintendo is getting and a lot of shade being thrown Nintendo's way this morning for their uh, decision to launch these or to open these pre-orders up overnight. So, yep. And, you know, I have to say, shame on all of the retailers that agreed to participate as well. I would think that some retailers like GameStop or maybe Target or Walmart would have said, you know what, if this is how you're going to do it, we're only going to have, you know, four consoles to sell in a four minute period of time at two in the morning, then forget it. You know, let's not even bother. But obviously everybody's out to make a quick buck and nobody is looking out for consumers. So all I have to say about this is shame on you, Nintendo. It looks like many of the Chinese smartphone manufacturers are trying to get in on the excitement being generated by all the new flagship phones edge-to-edge -edge displays. The current trend for this year's flagship smartphones seems to be edge-to-edge -edge designs with phones like the Samsung Galaxy S8, the Note 8, the new Essential Phone from Andy Rubin's company, and the inevitable release of the iPhone 8 all having these beautiful edge-to-edge -edge displays. So it's no surprise that many of the Chinese smartphone manufacturers like Huawei and Xiaomi are looking to do the same and pump out some screens with beautiful edge-to-edge -edge displays of their own. In a recent episode of the Tech Download, I talked about the new Xiaomi Mi Mix 2 that has had some recently leaked images online showing what the phone might or could possibly look like, and it has an even more striking edge-to-edge -edge display than any of the phones that we've seen thus far. Um, and I think that this trend is definitely going to continue because there's just something really striking about seeing a phone that has all of the imagery going right to the edges where you hold it. And it's just basically the latest trend to get people excited about the new crop of smartphones coming out throughout the remainder of the year. Now, one reason why this is particularly important news here in the U.S. is because last year, Apple experienced its first ever year-over-year -year decline in the Chinese smartphone market. So you remember when the iPhone first became available officially and legally in China, it was just an explosion of sales for Apple. For a while, they were just selling them as fast as they could make them. But with a lot of the Chinese manufacturers starting to step their game up in terms of quality, the Apple iPhone has taken a bit of a backseat in terms of sales numbers in China. Despite the record sales numbers that Apple was reporting on its Q1 earnings call, they did also announce that they had an 8% decline in China. But Tim Cook did say that half of that decline was down to currency devaluation. Currently, China's smartphone market is booming with record sales of up to 131.6 million units in the fourth quarter of 2016, but Apple is currently sitting in fifth place in that marketplace. 
It should definitely be interesting to see if Apple's newest version of the iPhone 8 is able to draw back some of the Chinese consumer market. But with the stiff competition from companies like Huawei and Xiaomi, it definitely seems like Apple's going to have a much harder time trying to dominate that market the way they did when the iPhone first launched in China. Following yesterday's news that Verizon was going to be reducing the streaming video quality for its current unlimited data plan customers, the folks at NordVPN, one of the more popular VPN apps in the iOS App Store, announced that the NordVPN app would continue to work to avoid the throttling video feature on Verizon's new data plans. Users have successfully reported in the past that VPN services were used to avoid the previous limits Verizon applied to Netflix and YouTube traffic, but a lot of people were wondering if this same workaround would continue to work on Verizon's new limiting bandwidth strategy. Now, it's, it's definitely worth mentioning that the NordVPN app, while it will definitely work and should be very effective in circumventing this new strategy being employed by Verizon, it's not free. And in order to get the service up and running, you do have to subscribe to either a monthly or yearly plan. And if you subscribe to a single month at a time, it's $11.99 per month. If you do a one-year subscription, it's $68.99, or you could do a six-month subscription for $41.99. So obviously this is less than ideal. Most of us are usually currently trying to do the best we can to save money on our wireless bill. So having to add in another, you know, 12 or $15 a month service just to be able to get what you were supposed to be getting from your current data provider anyway is less than ideal. However, this could be useful though for some people that need to have higher quality streaming video specifically for maybe something they do with their job. So maybe you use teleconferencing on some type of video conferencing app, or maybe you, you need access to some type of video content that provides you with uh, um, troubleshooting or tutorials or something like that and maybe it has text in it that just can't be read if you're using 480p streaming quality so there could be some situations where this might be useful for some people especially if you could get your company to pay the 1199 um, you know cost of the vpn app for you but obviously this is not going to be ideal just so that you can watch your favorite episode of game of thrones in higher quality when you're away from home on your lunch break let me know what you guys think. Would you be interested in using a VPN app like this, either for work or personal use? And if so, let me know if you have any experience with one in the past. Latch, makers of smart-controlled locking devices for doors in homes, is announcing its latest smart lock entry, the Latch C. The Latch C is not the first smart lock from the Latch company. They also have the Latch M and the Latch R, all made with varying setups in mind. The Latch C is gonna launch for $399, which definitely puts it on the high end in terms of smart locks. And like most smart locks, it's not 100% compatible with every single deadbolt and lock combination. So you definitely need to check the compatibility list before you decide to purchase one. But you guys know I'm a huge fan of all the smart locks and smart devices. I love being able to access and control things from my smartphone and when I'm away from home, most importantly. The Latch C is compatible with HomeKit, however, it is not compatible with Google Assistant or Alexa just yet, but that could be added in the future. So for now, you're limited to using it with HomeKit and the Home app on your Apple iPhone or other iOS device and Siri for voice activation and controls. I think I've mentioned this before, but I'm currently using the August Smart Lock for my front door. And the reason why I chose that is because it's $199. It's a very easy install um, to do. You, anybody can do it themselves with just a, a screwdriver and really no other tools required. And the other benefit is, is that if you're currently using a lot of other iOS devices and an Apple TV, your Apple TV can actually act as a hub connecting it to Wi-Fi so that that way your Smart Lock can be controlled even when you're away from home. Basically, as long as your Apple TV is connected to your home 
home's Wi-Fi, then you can uh, connect everything through iCloud, and then you can control things like your lighting or locking or unlocking the front door right from your smartphone, no matter where you are, as long as you have internet connection available to you. So that's the reason why I went with the August Smart Lock. But if you guys have some recommendations for other home automation accessories, anything that's accessible via the internet that you've been using, give me a call in or a comment and let me know. I'd love to know what you guys are using out there or if there's something that I haven't even looked into. Let me know. And that's going to do it for another tech download here on Gadget Reason Radio on this fine Wednesday afternoon. I want to take a second to thank everybody out there who has favorited the station or subscribed via the podcast. Everybody who's continuing to engage on the Anchor app here, leaving comments or call-ins. It really helps me keep uh, ideas flowing for what I want to do for upcoming segments of the show and upcoming episodes of the podcast. So I really do appreciate it. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another tech download. But until then, have a good night. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Oh,